Design Guy, Episode 6. Design Guy here. Welcome to the show. This is the program that explores timeless principles of design and explains them simply. Now, if you've been following along, you'll know that we've been talking about the very beginning stages of the design process and the skills we need to develop in order to gather the information that fuels our creative work. So moving right along, there are some practical process things that we could get into, like brainstorming or how to get ideas. But before we do that, I think this is a good time for us to pause and consider the designer in all of this. If we think about it, the designer is the first medium through which ideas pass. Before we choose a physical format or a medium that influences everything that we're going to do thereafter, we're the first influence or shaping factor. And I realize this is a really obvious statement. But if the medium is the message, as Marshall McLuhan famously declared, then I think it's worth stepping outside of ourselves for a moment to consider what kind of medium we are. What kind of attributes should we have as designers before we even get started on the work? And let's consider the word medium for a moment. When we say that something is immediate, it means that there's nothing in between. There's a direct connection between two things. But when there's a medium, we mean to say that there's something in between, something that intervenes. Designers intervene. We take one thing and we pass it through the medium of ourselves so that it becomes a somewhat different thing. We're like prisms that receive the light and then refract it. We take our client's message and then split it apart. We break it all down. We perform a reductive work so we can identify all the component parts. Then we build it back up again in just the right way so we can communicate it. We basically perform a work of translation. We intervene by taking ordinary language and converting it into visual language. Medium, interestingly enough, is also the word used to describe individuals who claim to have psychic capabilities, people who claim to be conduits or channels to another world. And I find this kind of interesting because we're applying the word medium to an actual person in this case. Now, there's an old film that you may have seen with Tony Curtis called Houdini. It's about the great escape artist. And if you've seen that, you'll remember that he and his wife were obsessed with life after death. They even made a pact that they would seek to make contact with each other if one should pass over to the other side. So after Houdini's death, uh, his wife visits a psychic, and there's a scene where she conducts a seance, and there's the typical stuff. There's the dimly lit room, there's all the mumbo-jumbo and theatrics that are staged to convince Mrs. Houdini that she's actually communing with Harry himself. But alas, the medium is just a charlatan attempting to cash in on the poor widow's grief-driven compulsion to make contact. Now, the point here, though, is that Mrs. Houdini was in search of a medium. She wanted to find a person who could bridge a gap that she could not cross by herself. Our clients are like this. They look to us as channels or mediums to their marketplace, where they hope to connect with an audience. They can't cross the gulf all by themselves. They know that they need someone with special attributes. They want someone with special communication skills who can send their message across in just the right way. 
and if we're really on our game, we might even be able to channel ghosts of a different kind. And I'm being a little bit cute here, but what I'm referring to is what's sometimes called the zeitgeist, or the spirit of the age, which is to say that wherever we can, we want to inform our work with a keen sense of the cultural context of the audience, their world, and their ethos. Now, in light of everything we said, we can see why certain designers are sought after. They've got certain attributes that the client is looking for, and they want these attributes to show up in the final product. We see this principle at work when we're evaluating a design piece. If we describe it as either witty or traditional or sophisticated or minimalistic, then we're describing the characteristics of the designer to a great extent. These characteristics mirror the person behind the work. And in fact, if you give the same design problem to two different designers, you'll get two somewhat different results. They may both be valid, and indeed one design problem can be solved a thousand different ways. But I believe that there are certain characteristics that all designers ought to share in common. They're common attributes that will show through the work in even the most wildly divergent designers. And we'll talk about what some of those attributes are in the next episode. For now, let's just establish the fact that the designer is like the physical format we'll select to do our work within, because we profoundly influence the work right from the start. And again, this is a really obvious statement. But if we consider the fact that we have certain attributes and we want them to reflect well on the work, we'll give some consideration to ourselves. We'll want to make sure we've got certain characteristics in place or that we're at least developing them. We want to have the right stuff, and we'll talk about what all of that is in the next episode. That's all we've got time for today. As always, show notes are available at designguyshow.blogspot.com. Music is by caseentricity.com. I thank you again for listening, and I hope to have you back again.